Welcome, everyone, to episode 150 of Some Like It's Got, the big 150. I'm your host, Scott Shelton, and on this week's episode, we have a review of a movie, the scale of which befits the occasion, probably, the return of the MCU to the big screen after more than two years with Black Widow. With me today to help celebrate the milestone, as always, I have my co-host, Scott Harvey. Scott, how are you doing today? And maybe more importantly, what does 150 mean to you? Not a whole lot, if I'm being honest. Uh, it, you know, it is fitting we're reviewing, I think, the 150th Marvel movie. Am I correct on that? I'm not exactly sure um, if I'll I have I'll my numbers right. I'll know, check the notes. Not a big yeah. Marvel fan. But no, Scott, it's cool. I mean, it's it's always cool when we hit one of these milestones, you know, uh, if, if you want to call it that, uh, that we're still doing it. We're still trucking and we're still yeah. having a good time. And that's three and a half years part, later. But. Yeah, no, I'm good, though, in general. Um, I went down to South Carolina this weekend, spent the weekend with some of my uh, friends from the college days. Uh, kind of an interesting experience. They uh, they have this whole new friend group down there now. Just like in the last year, they've gotten like this uh, big group of friends. And so they were dropping all these names of people, and I didn't know who any of them were. I'm just, just not something I'm used to. But uh, you know, Life went on without uh, you. That's so sad. Life did go on. I mean, shocking, I know. But um yeah, no, it, it it was fun. It was fun to be there. We had a we had a good time. Um, but yeah, due to me being out of town, I had to uh, put the year of cinema on pause and uh, and watch Black Widow from home um, when I got back. So sorry, uh, but as I said to you the other night, I think theaters have a lot bigger uh, problems and people to worry about than me, who's there every single other week. Sometimes they can't get you to come to the theater for the biggest movie of the year so far. I mean, forget about the fact that you went to the Times in the last two weeks. I don't know that I would say I'm really the the target audience for for these types of movies, but um, you know, of course, I I see them all and um, have enjoyed quite a few of them recently and was looking forward to this. You know, was looking forward, of course, to Florence Pugh's debut in the MCU. And Yeah. yeah, you know, it's been been a while and. Um, you know, even though I was watching from home, the second that dun, 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 started up, I was like, all right, let's do it. Why not? Yeah, we'll do it right. live. Yeah, why not? We'll do it live. Well, as I already mentioned, and as you were just alluding to today's episode, we are reviewing the first film entry in phase four <laughs> of the MCU, the long delayed solo outing of Black Widow. Scarlett Johansson reprises her role for one final time, maybe as Natasha Romanoff in this film set shortly after the events of Captain America Civil War and roughly two years before the events of Avengers Infinity War, uh, which was, you know, kind of a big deal in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think. But anyway, Black Widow first sends us back in time to 1995 for a brief glimpse into Natasha's childhood as a child in the home of a Russian sleeper cell based in Ohio, where her mother, and I put that in air quotes, Rachel Weisz and father, David Harbour, were spying on the U.S. government and attempting to steal key government secrets on behalf of the Russian state. Her family, which also included her little sister Yelena, played later in the movie by Florence Pugh, escape before they are captured by the U.S. government, and Natasha and Yelena are sent back to the Red Room, the top-secret Russian training facility for training widows, or more simply, femme fatale agents. Fast forward, and we find Natasha on the run yet again from the U.S. government, this time in the aftermath of Civil War and the Sokovia Accords. She escapes capture by William Hurt's Thunderbolt Ross and makes her way into hiding in the remote European countryside. Her sister, Yelena, however, also resurfaces when she sends a package of mysterious vials to Natasha that came into her possession on a mission to terminate a rogue widow agent who had stolen the cure to the mind control techniques used to indoctrinate the widows of the Red Room. Yelena herself is exposed to the agent right as she kills the rogue widow and is immediately on the run herself with her newfound awareness and the remaining antidotes in her possession. The rest of the film catalogs Natasha and Yelena being reunited before they set out themselves to liberate the Red Room and dethrone its tyrannical master, Drakov, played by Ray Winstone. All the while, Natasha must deal with some of the ghosts from her past life. Scott, was Black Widow the triumphant return of the MCU on the big screen that we all had hoped for? Or, like its subject matter, did it feel a few years too late and out of date? 
Yeah, Scott, I got to say, I kind of felt the same about this movie as I felt about the MCU's last female-fronted entry, um, that being Captain Marvel from back in 2018, uh, which is that this was just very bland. 2019. Um, Yeah, I guess it was 2019. Yeah, Uh, just very bland in general. Um, You know, certainly not worth, I guess, the the two-year... Well, I mean, of course, you know, they couldn't have anticipated that it was going to be a, a, the extra year of wait yeah. due to COVID. But, um, you know, it, it's impossible not to factor that in, I think. And to also not look at that extra year and think, wow, this is, you know, this is kind of disappointing from Scarlett Johansson's perspective. I mean, I, you know, I don't purport to know what her thoughts are, but, um, you know, she was an important character in the MCU for you know, many years, but never got to have her own story told. This was going to be her chance. This was going to be the big kickoff film to phase four after, you know, the insane highs of infinity war Endgame, and, you know, the, the big, uh, big shocks at the end of Spider-Man far from home. Now, of course, this is a prequel, right? It's set uh, in between civil war and infinity war. Um, but still, this was going to be her moment, um, to sort of, you know, sign off from the NCU. Like you said, maybe, maybe not. Um, I don't know what to think, honestly, these days with big franchises and whether people are actually dead or not. Um, hey, man, we're about to go into the course, multiverse. Everyone's still alive. That is true as well. But, yeah, you know, she did, quote, unquote, die in Endgame. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the end results, I mean, you know, not only is it uh, did we have to wait much longer than we should have for it, right? Like, it's it's weird to me in concept that even if the movie was really good, right, that we are getting yeah. a solo black widow film after we've seen her already in six, seven movies, um, you know, in the, in the MCU. Um, and you know, of course there's always been talk about, Oh, what happened in Budapest? You know, that's always been the question around this character and we find out in the movie, but, um, but yeah, uh, it it just feels weird in concept, like I said, and then the movie itself is pretty perfunctory, pretty forgettable. Like I said, um, it has some decent action sequences, unsurprisingly the introduction of Florence Pugh is as as Yelena is the strongest part of the movie. I think um, that Scarlett Johansson in many ways was set up to fail, right? When, uh, you know, number one, you get cast alongside Florence Pugh. And then number two, you know, I mean, I guess spoilers at this point, I don't think anyone, I think everyone's probably already seen this, but um, you know, they're setting this character up to be the future of, the Black Widow name, whatever. Um, may, maybe, maybe not. I mean, you know, the well, post-credit scene. Ha- we can talk about. We can talk about that at the end. Yeah, we'll talk we'll, about the post-credit scene. We'll talk about the future anyway, at the end. This character is going to be in in more things in the future. Is the point? I mean, she's already confirmed uh, so, to be in something else coming out this year. Yeah, so. and so naturally, I think there is you know more emphasis placed on her character as yeah. much as emphasis placed on her character as there is um easily yeah. you know natasha but plus you have you know this splashy you know extremely talented young actress playing the role like scarlett johansson gets outshined and what was supposed to be her big moment um and you know that's disappointing i also think some of the story beats are disappointing there was a lot of spe- uh you know speculation about the villain and taskmaster and um yeah. Once again, the MCU has a villain problem in this movie. Um, well, who, the who is the ta- villain in this movie? It's not. It's not Taskmaster. It, it's not really, but no, it's, um, it's Drakov. Yeah, it is, but certainly he's not a better villain than than Taskmaster, or you know, better character than than Taskmaster. But um, yeah, it, it, the, the villain problem. Taskmaster is continues. barely a character, but yeah, yeah, cool. the, the, the villain problem continues is what I'm saying ultimately. Um, and What's crazy reveal- is that the MCU doesn't actually have a villain problem because they had Thanos, who's a great villain. Um, but then, yeah, but that was two movies. I mean, just, arguably it was more that, than that. It was like four or five movies. But yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. But to to say I'm, that I'm agreeing with you, the, I'm saying like yeah. they, they have made good villains in the past. They sure, sure they have. But I I, yeah. I think it would be unwise to look at the MCU as a whole and say, oh, no issues here with villains. Um, Certainly there are. Um, I mean, going back to the very first movie, right, Iron Man, which I love, um, the one thing holding that movie back for being a five-star movie, in my opinion, is the villain. Um, And I think there are other movies which are hampered by a weak villain. Um, This movie has more problems than just that, but it's certainly present. 
Um, and like I said, the Taskmaster reveal is pretty bad. And it really just sort of so negates, anticlimactic. Just it negates Christ. sort of what I thought to be the most interesting story thread and idea that they were going for in the movie involving something that happens with Natasha's, you know, backstory in Budapest and in Budapest, it, it negates it in a way that I was just like, you know, what a cop out. But, um, yeah. So I, on the whole, you know, I think most of these MCU movies have like a baseline level of competence about them to where I like, I didn't hate the movie or anything. Um, but this is lower tier MCU, uh, for me, I didn't find it to be a very satisfying set, you know, very satisfying uh, ending, quote unquote, for this character or beginning for this character. I mean, again, I I don't even know how you want to look at it. Like, again, we waited so long. Middle of this character. We waited so long, literally and figuratively, to get a Black Widow movie. And for this to be the movie we got is just kind of a downer, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I think. To me, this feels like super middle of the road. So I guess I'm a little bit higher on it than you than than some of the other films in the MCU. I think this is probably better, is better, probably better than Captain Marvel, the other female outing, although it's weird just to compare those two, I think. But I understand why the comparisons are inevitable. Uh, for me, the the thing that, that you were saying, and that's something that I've been like, I don't know, I think stewing over about this film is that like, this is the Black Widow solo movie. Like it, it has so many hats to wear. Like it is this like Black Widow solo movie, which <laughs> take everything about like the context of the character out. Like I think everyone can agree. Like this character probably deserved a standalone movie after Civil War when this movie is set. That's like the first problem. So the movie is coming too late, where you've like had the emotional closure on the character already, right? Like she had this really great arc in Infinity War and Endgame. And that arc came to a close, and like many arcs in Endgame, were pretty satisfying. I mean, to me, I mean, Endgame is the best movie in the MCU for lots of reasons, and one of them is that it gives you like a lot of really good closure on characters that you've sort of lived with for a bunch of years. And the fact that like you're not retconning that, but you are like digging up the past and and trying to make that more like in in many ways like you're making that past more relevant than sort of the endpoint of the art of like Natasha's overall arc. And that feels weird. And I think that 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 lands really strangely. Like you're talking about like the final scene, forget like the post credit scene, like the final moment in the film is like this sort of like, I don't know, like Natasha's off on this like next adventure or whatever to bring like to get the Avengers out of jail. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and it's it's like she's dead. (laughs) Like. I mean, it will, it, it will be interesting. And you know, in the future that people are going to watch this, you know, chronologically, right? Like oh, after sure, yeah. Civil War, before And it'll Infinity feel War. a lot and better. And it will it'll feel play a lot better, better, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been, re- I mean, it, it's just an idea that I've had, but I've thought about doing that exact thing. I'm not going to probably do it because it's just such a huge investment of time to like watch all 20 whatever movies and however many TV shows in chronological order. It's like a cool idea, but it's so much time investment. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Um, and I just can't help but think that, like, I mean, it, it for people who do that, like, it's going to play really well, I think, in that order. Like, you watch this after, like, Civil War or Doctor Strange, like, whatever order that Disney tells you to watch it in or whatever, because they have, like, a, the chronological order of things on Disney+. Plus. They, like, have a rail for that. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to land well, I think. But the problem is, is that you're absolutely right. Like, to the other point you were making around, like, being upstaged by Florence Pugh, like, not only is she upstaged by Florence Pugh in this movie... I think they're both great actresses, I think. But, like, Yelena is a be- is a more interesting... Is, like, fact... Like, I think she is the more interesting character yeah. in this movie. Partially because she's new. Partially because she has this, like, complicated history that Natasha, like, sort of has. But your point, like, they cop out on, like, the complicated history that Natasha is dealing with. And they don't do that to the same degree, or at least not that I could tell, with, with Yelena. They don't explore it as much, to be fair, but... She's an interesting character. She's, I mean, she's well-played by Florence Pugh for sure. And the truth is, is that this movie isn't just about Black Widow because this movie also is the first movie in phase four of the MCU. And you're talking about coming off all these highs from Endgame, especially. I know there was Far From Home, so there was sort of like a, a denouement to kind of come down from the climax of Endgame and whatnot for phase three and the Infinity Saga and, and, and whatnot. But like, 
this is the first show in phase four. This job, like the job of this movie is not to like, you know, be a black, like to be a black widow movie. This job is to set up the rest of the, the rest of phase four of the MCU. And, the, and they do that really well because they are introducing you to a new character in Yelena, who is going to probably feature quite prominently in other properties. We already know she's going to be in Hawkeye later this year, the, the Disney plus TV show. That's also going to have Haley Steinfeld. Um, we know sort of what the angle of her character is going to be in that from the post credit scene and pretty much everything that we've gotten in phase four so far, WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, even Loki, they're introducing us to new characters in MCU to set up bigger phase four things, right? Like WandaVision is setting up this like new Scarlet Witch character, but there's also some other characters teased in that show that might also be, you know, I shouldn't say teased even like Tiana Prince's character in that show is a new character who's going to feature prominently in other MCU movies. Falcon, the winter soldier, you have Sam, who's going to be the new captain America, going to be a new major player in the Avengers. But you also have the reintroduction of some other characters that get introduced. You get the introduction of this, of this character of played by Julie Louis Dreyfus, who also comes up at the end of this movie. Who's going to, it seems like it's some sort of like Samuel L. Jackson proxy for phase four of the MCU, putting the team together. And this, you have Yelena. And it's just like all these movies are laying the groundwork for what are going to be movies that are very much forward-facing and not facing backwards. And it's a really weird mixture of tones to be thinking about like, all right, we're trying to give this character who everyone shouted for years that she get the standalone movie and she get this emotional... Like, she had her emotional send-off and you're just trying to like do a make good for like the community. But really, you're not even making good. You're just like, you're just looking forward and passing the torch to yeah. the next Black Widow. And I think that let does leave like a pretty strange taste um, in my mouth. And it's something that the like the further I've been away from, I watched this thing Friday night and it, or recording on a Monday night. And the more that I've sat with this, the more it's like just kind of felt weird, right? Like the, the promise of this movie, I think, at least as advertised, is that it is like the send off that Black Widow deserved. Arguably, she already got the send off she deserved. I think she had a very emotional sort of climax to her arc and endgame. That's neither here nor there. It leaves that in a weird place for me, but it's like not even really about that in my mind either. I just think it's it's so much about this introduction to a new character, uh, potentially multiple new characters if you include the parents, which I mean, I don't know. I don't know if David Harbour and Rachel Weisz are going to appear in another MCU movie or not, but um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. And it, Why and not? It, if they're bringing back freaking William Hurt as General Ross. Well, he's like not doing jack shit these days. I mean, a scene on. and a half. Yeah. Why Why can't they bring back David Harbour and Rachel Because Weiss. David Harbour and Rachel Weisz are doing other things. And William Hurt, I assume, is just collecting paychecks at this point. Um, but I could be wrong. I'm not familiar with William Hurt. No, you're probably current, right. I haven't seen career. him anything in a while. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, for, for me, for that reason alone, like I haven't even talked about anything that actually happens in the movie. But like for, the, for those reasons alone, I just think that it. It does sit weird, and I think it really hamstrings it from the outset because it's not the movie that I think audiences were really promised. Even if it was that movie that audiences were promised, I'm not sure that it would have effectively been able to do that at all, really, with the way it was constructed. But yeah, I mean, Florence Pugh's great. I think Scarlett Johansson's great, too. I mean, it really is an iconic character. You know, she says she, you say that she's been such a major player in the MCU for so long. I'm not even sure that that's true. I just think she was a character who was there for so long. Yeah. Because um, the truth is, is that she's been done dirty by this franchise since the movie she was introduced in Iron Man 2. And I think she's been, I mean, honestly, she was done dirty again here in Black Widow. I think the only movie she wasn't mistreated was probably Endgame. Um, maybe Infinity or Winter, War. Or Winter Soldier. I mean, I mean, she's just like such a bit player in Winter Soldier, but sure. I mean, that's that, that movie's not about her, so I'm not gonna not gonna dump on it for that. But yeah, she was good in Winter Soldier. Just, I mean, she wasn't a main player, really. Um, I mean, I guess she kind of was. I mean, I like her and Cap, you know, sort of teaming up and bantering and everything. Absolutely, no, I 100 percent agree. I mean, Winter Soldier is one of, one of my favorite MCU movies for sure. Um, and if there was a comparison, I think of movies that are closest in vibe to this film. I think it actually probably is Winter Soldier. I mean, they're both spy, like sort of like hard, more hard boiled spy type movies. They don't feel as much like superhero movies, right? Like they have the scale, of course, like they have the massive scale and whatnot. Don't get me wrong about that. But there's like not that much people running around with like, you know, superhuman abilities. I mean, Cap, of course, is. I mean, he's a super soldier, so I guess then that by that he is a superhero. But like besides David Harbour, there's not a single person with like superpowers in this film, right? Like this is the closest that you'll ever get probably to a mission impossible or a bond movie 
in the MCU. I mean, yeah, there, there is like mind control going on, which is kind of a you know supernatural a little bit. But yeah, I agree that that's a bit hand wavy. Although, like, I think it's implied that it's some sort of like nerve agent, right? Like, because it's cured by this gas. Yeah, because you can use an antidote. To, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a little bit hand wavy, but I'm fine, honestly. I, it's probably better that they didn't go into like how it was actually being used because that, yeah. that would have been a distraction we didn't need in the movie probably. Um, but it's yeah, it, it's it's it should have been up my alley because I like I mean, I'm such a huge fan of Mission Impossible, of the modern James Bond movies that are probably the closest comparison to that. And generic is one way to describe it. I don't know if that I don't know if that's the word that I would use. I just think that it didn't commit to being its own thing. Like it didn't commit to being that is what I struggled with. Um, it tried to loop in a bunch of other things and it ended up telling this story that like this film's two hours and 15 minutes and it doesn't really feel like very much happens. Like that, that's what I'm like a little confused. Mm-hmm. about. Um, so I don't know. The performances were pretty good. The film was a little disappointing uh, on the whole. I think Kate Shortland has... Interesting choice of director. I mean, hasn't really done anything except for a Teresa Palmer movie like four years ago. That that's like the MCU though. Like honestly, they just pull these directors out of obscurity. It feels like, and oftentimes well, they end up hitting. But I mean, people people like Dust, Destin Daniel Cretton and Chloe Zhao. Like they've at least done like noteworthy projects. I mean, coming into the sure they're they're still indie minded directors. Sure. But, I mean, I, I, I mean, looked at the Russo brothers. Russo brothers directed TV. Short- yeah, I mean that that's true. But I looked at Kate Shortlands and I was like, I think I've heard of Berlin Syndrome before, but you know, she has other movies too that I was like, for all in all accounts, they really wanted her to direct it because she said no when they first approached her because they were like, why do you want me to do this movie? Look, uh, I'm all in favor of there being more female directors in the MCU. I just didn't feel like she bought she brought anything new to the table, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like also though kind of true for like most MCU movies. I think there are some exceptions, but like, and that's what I'm hoping cha- changes in this next phase with people like Chloe Zhao, Dustin Daniel Cretton, um, you know, coming in like that. Yeah. They're going to be allowed to put more of their stamp on the films. I mean, the only part, maybe the only example we've seen of that so far is Taika Waititi. Yeah, I was. That's what I mean. That's what I was gonna say. I think Taika Waititi is like probably the exception. Although, man, talk about a guy who's like high on his own supply. I mean, I, I like saw yeah. his comments today, and I'm like, dude, you need to chill. <laughs> you need to chill so hard. Um, a little of him goes a long way, I think. Yeah, I, I, I'm like really concerned about as much as I mean, Thor Ragnarok. I think is probably like my three or four MCU movie of all of them. And I'm like really concerned about Love and Thunder. <laughs> like everything that that he, I mean, every time Taika opens his mouth about it, I'm just like, man, this guy really believes in himself, which is good for him. But the way he comes off in believing himself is a little concerning at this point to me. But I mean, I think the like they, they, I think each individual director has like some flair, like little component that they add into these movies. I think the Russo brothers could do it with their action scenes, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to dive down too much of a rabbit hole. And I'm not, I'm not sure what Kate Shortland added to this movie. I don't know if she was done too many favors by the story and the script here, which ironically, I think, was it Jack Schaefer did the story who also was the writer for WandaVision, uh, I believe. So it was interesting to... Or she was the writer of one of the series. I don't know if it was WandaVision, if it was Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm, I'm forgetting off the top of my head right now. But um, WandaVision. Okay, cool. So, I, I yeah, I just... I'm a little bit flummoxed by it. It feels like a movie that I really should have liked. But at the same time, maybe that's the reason why I didn't, because there are so many better versions of this movie um, outside of the context of the MCU. I mean, I think half of the like half of the Mission Impossible movies, if not more of them, are all like better versions of this film. So it's a tough one, but I've ran half of the Mission Impossible movies are better versions of like every film. Just to be fair, <laughs> that's a fair point, which is actually what I was thinking too. Halfway into that thought, I was like, "Well, you know, the last three Mission Impossible movies are all like four, four and a half star, five star movies, so it's kind of a ridiculous bar to set." Anyway, I've rambled enough about this. Let's talk about the characters. You've already mentioned your thoughts about Florence Pugh upstaging um, Scarlett Johansson in this film for maybe a variety of reasons, but why don't you talk a little bit more about that? I think we can talk about Natasha Romanoff and Scarlett Johansson 
at the same time as talking about Yelena and Florence Pugh. Yeah. Um, you know, look, I like Scarlett Johansson. I like what we've seen from this yeah. character um, in the MCU. Um, but yeah, it's hard not to feel that she got done dirty a little bit because all of the soul search, you know, number one, because she gets out shadow overshadowed by Florence Pugh. Number two, because all of the soul searching that this character has, again, all of the sort of emotional stuff that she, the, you know, the baggage that she has to, to carry in the first hour or so of this movie then gets undone. Right. And, you know, at, in the end, it just feels like you said, like, Oh, well, we saved the day. Now we're off to do it again. Um, you know, she's getting on her ship and flying away. And it's like Ray at the end of Force Awakens or something. Um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, you know, she gives a fine performance. Um, I don't know if there's particular scenes that I can point to that, um, you know, that that I thought the her acting was particularly strong. You know, it's another difficult thing I think of playing a sort sort of more straight laced character alongside bigger personalities um, with Florence Pugh, with David Harbour. Um, you know, with the villain of Drakov, um, you know, there's just sort of people who take up the screen more, I guess, than um, than ScarJo when when she's on screen. That's some of that is just the character by nature. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I can't say that this was like a standout performance or anything for me. I think she gets the job done, but unfortunately, the shortcomings of the film, you know keep her keep her performance from getting to the level that i would have hoped to have seen in a movie about ostensibly about her character i I, um, do, I do think on that note though that like the one scene that she has that i think is a little bit more of a standout is like that sort of like climactic scene in i don't know like drakov's I don't know, like war war room or whatever you want to call it where she mm-hmm. does have this like tete-a-tete with him mostly of words, but then also physically as well, sort of before he runs away. I think that's like a highlight of her performance. I think the, fi- I, I mean, I, I think the scenes with her and Florence Pugh are, are pretty good. Like I like, they have sure. a good yeah. sisterly dynamic. Um, but the, yeah, but again, still when like, when Florence Pugh is on screen, the person that you are watching is Florence Pugh. Like that's the person just, you are watching is Florence Pugh. Yeah, that's the person that most people are watching. I think just, because but i mean i'd be curious if like your average i I don't disagree with you i mean i I agree with your take here i'm curious if the average mcu person who hadn't checked into many movies in the last year and a half or two years even outside of the mcu and like blockbusters have the same experience of going to the film i will say i texted i mean this is just a sample size of one but my brother went to see this movie yeah and it was he doesn't even watch movies like this was the first movie that he had gone to the theater since Richard Jewell. Um, oh my God. But uh, <laughs> he, he actually just watched all the MCU movies in preparation for this. Um, what? Yeah, he watched, he watched I mean, all good for them, him, but, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but I said, I, you know, he told me he'd watched it and I said, how was my girl Florence Pugh? And he was like, uh, very, very good. Like, she was very funny. And, and so I was like, okay, well, I mean, I mean her character you know, is I, really funny. It is true. Yeah. I mean, I at least, you know, and, and Rob noticed it too. Like yeah. Rob wouldn't know Florence Pugh for, he wouldn't have known Florence Pugh from, you know, our mother probably if, if we had put them in a, in a lineup, uh, you know, before the, we'll, before try, we'll try that joke movie, again next but, time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they can't all be winners, but um, you know, I'm familiar he, uh, he, he, he wouldn't have known who she was, my point is, and he wouldn't yeah. have known that she was an Oscar-nominated actress who had this incredible 2019, even though he is the brother of me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he thought her performance was really good. So yeah. I mean, she gets again, the best lines. Size one. But yeah, I mean, it, it's a fun performance. She gets to do a sort of, you know, deadpan. And the, her, her Russian accent is all right, and... She gets to do a sort of deadpan type humor and stuff that, I mean, I, I didn't really feel that in many of the jokes like were super great in this movie, but like, you didn't like the, and, pirouette, the, the posing joke. Yeah, that was all right. That, that was funny. Always posing, you know, that, again, it's sort of a fun little sister thing going on there, but uh, well, I think, I think it's also a self critique of the MCU, right? 
but yeah, keep going. Yeah, ma- yeah, maybe. Like, you know, I, I, I do like that angle to her character that she's very sort of sniffy about Natasha's involvement with the Avengers and that it's like all for PR, basically. But um, I, I think that in general with the humor in this movie, um, it it's employed. And, and this isn't the only... Uh, this isn't the only MCU movie that does this, but it's employed in a, in a way to that sort of just extinguishes a lot of powerful moments. What could be powerful moments in the movie. I think, um, you know, some of the stuff with Florence Pugh during the family scenes um, is an example. I do think there is one moment where she's really allowed to do some acting. And that's when her, her little monologue at the dinner table about how she saw them, all as a family, right? And they're, when they're kind of, you know, dismissing the relationship that they had as a family because they were just sort of thrown together. Um, they were, aren't actually blood related, of course. Um, and yep. Florence Pugh gets to have a little moment of, well, no, it this, this meant something to me. And it's by far like the best bit of acting in the movie. Like it's not even close, but, um, but then, you know, the next scene, right? She's with David Harbour and they're having their little sort of uh, makeup scene. And, you know, again, she's, they're trying to give her some real emotional work to do. And then they just throw in this dumb joke where she like calls him the wrong name or something. Like she calls him the crimson something. And he like, it's actually the red guardian. Um, And I was just like, why? Like why we were about to feel something there and you just had to, but you know, at least they know to give some of these moments, some of these, you know, heavier emotional lifting to the best actor in the film. So that's something. The, the thing you say that, which I don't disagree with. Again, I don't disagree that that Florence Pugh is the best actress, of, you know, in in the film. But like, it's not like they don't have a a cast full of incredibly capable actors, in, like David Harbour, Rachel Weisz, Scarlett Johansson. I mean, these are all like incredibly capable actors to handle those types of moments. No. Yes, sure, sure, they are. But um, again, I mean, some of it has to do with that they're setting this character up for for more to come so they want to give again they want to give her the the big emotional moments but yeah i i don't know i just think what we have seen from florence Pugh so far in her career and you know again it's a limited it's still limited but um is that this is the type of acting that she excels in like the midsummer like the full emotional range that she gets to show off there little women of course she gets some you know big scenes in that in uh you know in the in that movie too um so yeah i mean maybe i'm being unfair to the other actors but it it does feel like in this particular moment like i said when florence Pugh is on screen you're watching her and everyone else is just there yeah i i don't think that that's necessarily a universal experience i do think that scarlett johansson holds the screen pretty well but florence Pugh, i mean look the performance is there absolutely and she steals the the screen from ScarJo in some big moments, I think. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I have too much more to add on that front. Like I said, my I said my bit, I think about Natasha already and Scarlett Johansson, and yeah, I mean, I'm excited that Florence Pugh is going to be in more of these things. I hope she's not in too many of these things uh, to deprive her of other opportunities to be in other films. But it's exciting to have someone. You get no argument for me there. Yeah, but it's exciting to have someone of her chops and her firepower in all respects right like I, I think it's exciting to have someone like that in the mcu for the you know for this new wave of characters coming through who presumably will, will feature quite prominently in key moments so i i think that's exciting personally is there anyone else you want to talk about i mean we we did allude to david harbour and rachel vice a little bit there's also um there's ray winstone who you know we mentioned is sort of this scenery chewing villain and Dracov as he typically is that's fair very true and then there is taskmaster who is played by olga kurilenko who turns out to be spoilers Dracov's daughter who we thought black widow well the natasha romanoff version of black widow i guess should say had killed in budapest but not to be the case yeah i mean what do you think about this character do you think this person is going to show up again because like Olga Karolinko is not somebody you give a throwaway role to. Like, I mean, she's a name. Like, yeah, I'm. I mean, look, there's no reason for. I like. I, I can only assume she will show up again, 
I mean, what has she done recently? I guess like The Room. Is that the most recent thing that she did? The Room? The Tommy Wiseau classic? I don't know what The Room is, but uh, I don't know. I guess I just think of her as being a Bond girl, which is not insignificant. Yeah. Uh, no, I think The Room is in like the... Oh, okay. I was looking at a Wikipedia page and that's not what I thought it was. I was thinking it was like the spoof, the spoof of that, which is not called Room. The Room, it's called... I forget the one the that's disaster that, the disaster artist. That's You're talking about saying. the real life story. Yeah. The, the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I'm looking. I guess she did the courier, which is not the film that I thought it was either. She hasn't done anything of note recently. I, I don't know. The it's courier been, is that Benedict Cumberbatch and Rachel Brosnahan movie. Yeah. Not, I don't I don't think it's that one, though. <laughs> no, looking at the Wikipedia page, it's not that one. Well, uh, point is, maybe not recently, but still, like I said, it, it, it feels like it would be but weird she, but she was like a bond girl in like the worst craig bond movie like i don't know like is that that big of a deal maybe it doesn't resonate with other people in the way that it does with me but yeah i think maybe it doesn't i look i, I think it's possible this character comes back like it's possible i mean this this character is like incredibly powerful right like she has the ability to mimic any fighting style she'd be an incredible weapon um no matter how she comes back right Will she though? I don't. I don't know if Olga Kurylenko warrants a return, just by the name alone. I would think that would be true of like mean, Rachel, they, Rachel Weisz and David Harbour more more than Olga Kurylenko. They do. They do. So I mean, they do a lot of work with this character. Like the 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 character plays a very important role in the plot. It just does play an important role. But do they do a lot of work with the character? Well, yeah, I, that wasn't the right way to phrase that. Probably yeah. that's why I followed it up by saying. Um, you know, she she has an important role in the plot. And there is this whole like army of widows thing or whatever that we can probably expect to to see again. And I'm not just talking about yeah. the prequel film Widows directed by Steve McQueen. Um, I'm, I think we can probably expect to see, you know, some of these the, the next the next, uh, yeah. you know, Avengers movie or whatever, when they have the their equivalent of the portal scene, when everyone shows up, we're going to have Olga <laughs> Karolinka showing up and we're going to be sitting there the like, army oh, yeah, of widows. Right. She, she was a person. Yeah. Or we're going to be like, like the, Vicky, of course, yeah. the random guy in in Avengers Endgame at, at Tony Stark's funeral, who turns out was the kid from Iron Man three. No, no one knew who he was, but he was there. Um, yeah, may, maybe. Right. I, I think it's more likely that. I mean, I assume Florence Pugh is going to get her own movie at some point, her own like Black Widow movie at some point, and then it'll like show up there. Like that's the only place I can imagine them showing back up. I don't know, maybe an Avengers movie. Every everyone's in play again. This is yeah. this is the world we live in. Han Han is alive. Uh, Ray is right, and and Black Widow is not really dead. Well, look, I mean, you're referencing the Fast franchise. What what a franchise! But I will say that the number of allusions to the Fast franchise and the the constant reiteration of family just had me it's all about family. Honestly, it had me cracking up quite a bit in this film, and I just couldn't help but think. But Dom would be jealous. I mean, Scarlett Johansson has so many families. The only thing better than one family is yeah. two families, as she says at the yep, end of the she's movie. She's got the Avengers. Yeah, yeah, that she has to go save off on her next best adventure. Um, Scott, do you want to talk about the big sort of? espionage set pieces of it all feels like we've talked a lot about how we underwhelmed by the story developments but are we underwhelmed by the set pieces no there's a, a long chase sequence sort of in the first third of the movie that i found to be quite well done i thought mm -hmm. um and yeah i i mean i think i think the action's pretty good you know when they're out on the platforms and everything um that works pretty well. I'm trying. I mean, some of the, you know, the hand to hand combat, all of that is well staged. That's the kind of stuff you um, expect to see. Um, I, I will say, I don't know if it was just because I was watching it at home, but the effects were kind of bad in certain parts. I don't know if you if that stood out I think to you. That was not, you watching but. at home. <laughs> okay, may, maybe, but I don't know. There were just like certain shots that I was like, that looks kind of like cheesy or clunky a little bit um is there one in particular that you're thinking of some of the stuff towards the end i think with like the the sky falling yeah like i don't know it was just there was just like some shots that struck me weird like looks kind of weirdly green screeny um but i don't know it, yeah again maybe it was just i was watching them on tv but um 
I, I don't know. I thought the action was was good. I mean, you know, you 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 expect to see good action in these types of movies. It did keep me engaged. Like Captain Marvel, I couldn't tell you. I I don't remember a single scene from that movie. If I'm being quite honest, you don't remember um, her crash landing in the blockbuster. That yeah, that I do now that you mentioned it. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> but I I will probably at least vaguely remember some of these action scenes from Black Widow this time in two years. Um, but maybe not. Yeah. I mean, it's, no, I, I do. Again, I do think again it, when it, you when you pour as much money into these movies as they do, like they're going to get the action scenes right ninety five percent of the time. Look, could could be wrong. Two years from now, we'll, we'll we can reevaluate maybe when I don't know. What's the movie coming out in two years? I'm not even sure. Blade, <laughs> Fantastic Four. I don't Heck know. Yeah, Marshall, baby. Yeah, I don't think that movie is actually happening. Not not a single peep about that film in two years. It's kind of concerning. That would when be they, a shame after they announced it. it yeah, it didn't happen. But. I just think it's getting kicked down the road. I don't know. I just said the fact that we haven't heard anything about it, and we have we've heard we've heard more about the Black Panther and the Captain Marvel sequels, neither of which were announced. The answer at is Disney. Two, at that comic, in two years we're getting X Men. I mean, nothing, nothing wrong with that if it's done well. Yeah, um, I'm here for it. I mean, I think what I, I guess it's probably all happening at the same time with like Fantastic Four. But that's like the one that was teased, right? X Men hasn't actually officially. Fantastic been. Four was teased, yeah, yeah. But I mean, X Men was like vaguely teased, I guess, with Quicksilver showing up in Wandavision, but like not. Yeah, really. I, I think that's probably just because. Was that the true? That I think that was a joke. Well, that, I mean, that, that that's, that's like, like a but that's like a, the a that's like a nod to the comics, right? Because Wanda is like Magneto's daughter or something. Well, yeah, I mean, like she a, and Quicksilver yeah. are X Men. Like they are, yeah. they are X Men. But Marvel owns them, which is why they were able to more easily integrate them. Mm-hmm. And whatnot. They were not part of like the X Men package that was sold to Fox, which is complicated, I suppose. But anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, the set pieces. I, I do think that these set pieces are pretty pretty memorable i mean like ultimately like the captain marvel climax is her punching the crap out of jude law like that's the climax of the movie whereas like this one like you do have that really cool chase sequence i think that um i think i think the opening scene even right like the opening scene when they're fleeing in ohio i think that's a great scene with the plane i think that's a that's a pretty good starter starter for the film it's not all action of course like only a small portion of it is action but i think that set a vibe pretty quickly in the film. And then even if you don't, you know, even if I think that maybe you might be, I might be a bit shruggy on like the ultimate scene where, you know, they are falling from the sky parts of it, at least. I think that's like super memorable that that, like, this is like falling castle basically, which uh, exactly like like the whole shot of her in free fall or whatever is, is memorable at the very least. Anyway. Yeah. I think the, the action mostly works. One thing that's nice is that for the most part, the action and we can I think we talk about this a lot when we talk about Marvel movies is that like it just feels like it's just a bunch of like incredibly strong people just punching each other to death. Like that's not really what this film feels like in its action set pieces. And I think that's what sets it apart. There is this chase sequence. There is this. There's this fight scene that's not just about, I guess, punching the other person to death, which, you know, I appreciate a little bit. There's some it does ultimately, I guess, resort to that in the final moments of Taskmaster. But, you know. Natasha's not going to beat Taskmaster just by punching her. So there has to be something else a little bit involved there. And that's the nice thing about having your central character not being a superhero is that you have like you have to be more creative. It's the it's the same reason why a lot of people really like Batman, right? Like he has to be more creative than just being Superman and punching someone into into oblivion. And I think that goes for, for this as well, being a little bit more interesting in how the set pieces have to be constructed to be a little bit smarter, to be a little bit cleverer rather than just a, I don't know, a bludgeon fest. All right, Scott, anything else you want to talk about, or should we wrap things up? I oh, do we, should wanna, talk about the future. we should talk about the future, I guess. Yeah, well, I do want to say, first of all, that you've mentioned Mission Impossible here. I think we have to acknowledge the blatant ripoff of the Mission Impossible face, ma- uh, face mask yeah. technology that comes up in this movie. I was like, wait, where's Wolf Blitzer? Uh, I, that was kind of shocking to see that. But anyway, as far as the future goes, um, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, like, look, we get the post credit scene here. Yelena is presumably off to kill Hawkeye now because this Julia Louis-Dreyfus character has said, oh, hey, here's the person who kills Natasha. Again, we get a setup of an emotional moment, right, where 
she's at the grave of Natasha that does doing the little whistle thing or whatever. Like I was like, Oh, this is kind of working. And then the whole thing gets silenced by Julia drivers, like blowing her nose into a hanky. Like what is it have been better or worse though, is that when she whistles, Scarlett Johansson comes out of the trees and yeah. whistles back, which is worse. Well, those, those, are two aren't, options. The only, those aren't the only two no, options. No, they are the only two options for the MCU, Scott. That's where you're wrong. No. Those were the only two no, options. Never consider. tell me the odds. Um, yeah. But so there's that part, which I don't like about it. The other thing is like, you know, they're trying to set it up as like, oh, here's here's a conflict, right? Because we have... Here's one character you like, Yelena, going up against another character you like, Hawkeye. Do we really think there's going to be a real conflict here? Like, I'm sorry, but but I don't. I just feel like this is all set up and that the actual whenever this clash actually happens, it's going to be resolved in, I don't know, 30 minutes of movie, three episodes of TV, whatever it may be. And then, you know, everyone's going to be on the same team again. And it's going to just be like a, a tease, really. And that, like... I don't know. I, I, I worry that that's all it is again, because they, because like in this movie, they set up this whole, like, Oh, black widow killed a child, right? Natasha killed a child because, you know, she was collateral damage or whatever, but then it's like, Oh, nope, actually she didn't, you know, we, the child is still alive. And not only is the child still alive, but now Natasha is going to like help her and they're going to be all buddy, buddy, but um, I, I don't know. I just feel like there, there's a little bit of a history of like setting up interesting things and then just like backpedaling out of them. I mean, look, I, I yeah. loved what they did in Endgame and everything, but like, you know, after we saw Infinity War, we knew, right? We were like, they're not going to keep these characters dead, right? They're going to find a way to bring everyone back in Endgame. And but yeah, that- it worked. It was great. It was a wonderful yeah. movie. But like... I, I don't know. I just feel like I can't see Marvel going in a direction where they're going to pit like two, you know, Avengers, right? Like, I mean, I, Yelena isn't there yet, but um, against each other. And there's actually going to be consequences that come out of it. Yeah. I mean, look, something interesting might be if like first episode of Hawkeye or whatever, she kills Hawkeye and then like Haley Steinfeld and her have this like tete-a-tete for the rest of the sure. rest of the season that would be interesting but i don't know she kills someone, him faster than the jeremy renner app died someone 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 take a look at jeremy renner's contract see how many more movies he's signed up for and then we'll know whether or not he's getting killed he's he's in the app business now is he i thought he i thought he got out of that business he did i'm kidding anyway scott all right favorite scene or moment from black widow it's it's uh florence Pugh's monologue you know at the at the dinner table about uh how the family thing meant something to her. I, I wish that I had felt as much Scott, as you I like felt acting that. too much. That's the problem. You can't appreciate yeah, it. Uh, I, I just wish that I felt what I felt in that 30 seconds of movie, you know, other times in the movie during the whole family scene, honestly, because I, I don't know the whole, the family dynamic fell flat. The family dynamic was stronger in F9, even though, <laughs> If you twist my arm, that's probably the worst movie. Um, I, I have to twist I, your arm to get you to say F9 was worse than this? Ouch. Yeah, they're both not good. But I don't know. I, I, I felt like it was set up. like The the family thing was a real emphasis in the trailers. Um, and it's really about the sisters. Like That's the, that's the strong element of the family thing, I think. I, I, look, Rachel Weiss, we haven't even really mentioned her, but like, she was pretty anonymous in this, I, f- I felt like. I mean, Rachel Weiss's, like, biggest biggest part of the film is, like, getting to explain the whole heist to you, basically. I mean, that's, like, her main contribution to the movie, I feel like. I don't know. It, yeah, And, it's, and it's they get to do one. the face mask thing, right? Like, she has to be around for that. Um, that's true. Dude, honestly, they, they should have upped their game. They, they should have been wearing two face masks. It should have been the double fake out. Is that you switch back well, and the then first you switch one back is Wolf again. Blitzer and then the second one is yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no, the the first one is Wolf Blitzer, the second one is Tom Cruise, and then the third one is Florence Pugh. Yes, which I know Florence Pugh wasn't wearing face. The first one is Tom Cruise. But... The first one is Tom Cruise at Wimbledon, and the second one is Tom Cruise at the Euro final. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the third one is him running between the two. Yeah. So, what a party! What what a guy! What a legend! Honestly. 
Um, anyway, my favorite scene or moment, I guess I do need to give one. I, you know, I I liked certain elements of the heist, but it is the it all comes down to the dynamic I think between ScarJo and and Florence Pugh. I think for me the one of the jokes that did land is is the whole when Florence Pugh first lands or whatever at the I forget where it is, but she like jumps off something and then lands and does the whole the whole posing thing and then makes a joke be like, nope, didn't like it. Not good. That that did make mm-hmm. me laugh. That was a that was a good moment. Um she also had a bad moment later, um, where she's like sticking like the stick into the helicopter um engine or whatever and said this was fun and jumps off. And yeah, and blows up. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was not the best moment. But she had a she had a bunch of other good moments in the in the film to make up for it. That very silly scene, which is not her fault. It was just I cannot. Yeah, one of those crazily never, it, written It will moments. never be. It will never be your fault. Yeah, Florence, if you're listening, she's not. But that'd be cool if she was. Anyway, uh, score, score out of ten for Florence. Four point eight. Sorry, oh, four point eight for Florence Pugh. That's rough. Yeah, you set me up to fail there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, much like Scarlett Johansson was set up to fail in this movie, but uh, four point eight for Black Widow. Uh, yeah. A 10 out of 10, of course, for Florence Pugh. Uh, yeah. But yeah, not everything comes out in the wash. Yeah, God, God save the queen, I say. Uh, 4.8, yeah, that's yeah, that's a tough score, but that's nowhere near as bad as what F9 was. Come on, F9 was terrible. Um, maybe I just hated yeah. it way more than you did. I don't know. <laughs> so bad. Yeah, uh, again, like, you know, with F9, there's at least stuff to just like, I don't know, be vaguely interested in how bad it was. This movie was just like bare. I think that's fair. This movie is like just like brutally average, probably mm-hmm. in a lot of respects, which is probably what you're getting at. Whereas, you know, F9, they made some decisions. Yeah, that they did. Uh, they certainly did. All right. For me, uh, this is coming in at a, at a hot 6.6. 6. Um, probably will go down over time as I dwell more on the fact that ScarJo was set up to fail so badly again. But that's where we're at for now. We'll take a short break. When we return, we'll be talking about some news. Welcome back for part two of today's episode of Some Like It, Scott. In part two, we have some news stories to talk about. Scott, why don't you start first with your news that has long been rumored about one director who I believe you might enjoy her films, Greta Gerwig? Yeah, Scott, you know, this has been rumored for so long. I didn't even know that it was not confirmed. Like, I just assumed that this was confirmed because it's been talked about for years. At least by me, it's been talked about. Um (laughs) Because, yes, uh, this is going to be the next directorial effort for Greta Gerwig. We know that she is set to star in White Noise, which is going to be her partner, Noah Baumbach's next movie. Isn't Noah Baumbach also writing this, though? Yes, I was getting there. Thank you. Um, I teased it too soon. Yeah, I mean, they they work as a team now, pretty much. I mean, they they kind of have, like, you know, since the the beginning, since Francis Ha, really. But, um, yeah, I mean... This so so this is going to be Greta Gerwig adapting uh, the Mattel toy line Barbie uh, into a a motion picture of some sort. We have Margot Robbie, the excellent Margot Robbie, uh, cast as Barbie, yeah. which feels the human like, Barbie. I mean, which feels like perfect casting. Yeah, it really does. I don't I don't, um, I don't mean that in any sort of I don't know derogatory way. Yeah. yeah, this feels like the IP driven like type thing that I can get behind. Of course, because of the names attached to it. Um, Greta but also, directs a Marvel movie. What do you feel like? Yeah, I mean, it, that's the thing. Like, Barbie doesn't have, like, lore that you have to, like, follow, you know? like Oh, don't say that. We're going to get all the Barbie stands out here after us. Yeah, but, you know, you could kind of do your own thing with it. And, I mean, Greta Gerwig is going to do her own thing with it, right? Like, this is not going to be a PG-rated family film, I would <laughs> I would suspect. Although is, to- is Toy Story three not canon? Her last film was PG rated. I will say, but um, you, I would be surprised if this is targeted at a kid audience. That doesn't seem like something that Greta Gerwig. Had. I was going to say, and Noah Baumbach would do, but of course, Noah Baumbach, writer of uh, of Madagascar three, um, he does know how to to speak to children, but um, <laughs> he has one of his own now. Um, but um, yeah, no, I mean Scott. 
the 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 sad part of this news is that the film is not going to be coming out until 2022 um, 23 23 sorry it's not going to start filming until 2022 um and that's a disappointment because like i said it feels like we've been hearing about this for a long time oh. um so you know it feels like this is something that should have already been filmed or in in the making but um you can't rush perfection and i'm sure this will be um and yeah, I mean, I, I I couldn't be more excited for it. When we do our most anticipated of twenty twenty three, this is going to be number one. Yeah, I I couldn't be more excited again. Anything with Greta Gerwig's name name attached to it nowadays is going to just get me over the moon. But when you combine that with the fact that she's writing at this with Bombac, and you get the fact you know that you have an incredible actress in Margot Robbie starring. The, the setup of this being a Barbie movie, I think, you know, there's a lot of possibilities, like I said. So, um, yeah, send it. Yeah, an interesting choice for her next directorial outing, but I don't have a problem with it. It's interesting. I, I'm trying to think, like, who who else would I want to direct? And I now can't think of anyone else to direct. Yeah. It, besides I mean, Greta. Like I was for saying. For it to be I interesting. Feel, yeah, right. Like, I, was, I, I feel like you can make it your own. And also, you know, with Little Women, right, she showed that, like, here's something that has been adapted so many times in the same way for many years. Um, this is a story that everyone knows. And yet she found a way to do her own thing with it. So if she can do that with little women, she could certainly do that with Barbie. Like I said, something where I don't feel like you are as uh, trapped by yeah. the lore. Yeah. Look, maybe you're wrong. I, I guarantee you there's like tomes of lore for Barbie at Mattel. I bet they have like some like psycho department. fiction doesn't count. Yeah, man. I'm not even kidding, though. I, I bet that they, they seem like the kind of company that takes their like toys like really seriously. And this, this isn't even a knock. But like, I, yeah. I bet that they have some like story consultants on this thing that are going to just like. I don't know. Re- really, really drop some drop some knowledge on yeah, Noah, Noah and Greta on the on the on the Barbie lore. I don't think that's going to affect the quality of the movie. I definitely think there's still probably bandwidth to make it to make it her own and i think that she definitely will but uh yeah we'll see we'll see how she can get sears sharon into this thing fine by me barbie's little sister maybe who's gonna play ken now timothy chalamet obviously sure (laughs) that would be as much as i like him i think that would be be horrible (laughs) that would be so bad as Um, would adam driver be who's the other obviously the other person that comes into your head but yeah the the, yeah the uh, the the person who automatically appears when you think of ken from barbie uh i don't know who who would it be who would be a good a good shout i don't know blake jenner yeah but he's been canceled so i don't think he'll be getting cast um yeah i how about his everybody wants a co-star glenn powell yeah yeah glenn powell it could work. I'd be down. Yeah, why not? Maybe they gender swap Ken. Maybe it's Kendra now. They just cast another woman. Sure. Florence Pugh. Sure. <laughs> Man, you're not having any fun today, Scott. I'm. I'm. I feel like I'm. Uh, I'm getting it's on your nerves. It's late. <laughs> All right, Scott. Well, I'll cover my story briefly, and then we can wrap things up. Uh, yeah. So Ma- Matthew Vaughn, who you know, I think that he's responsible for some projects that we can all be excited about um or not depending on your preference for the kingsman franchise i guess uh, but he recently announced that he will be directing a, a new film that i think is supposed to be a spy franchise starter called argyle and this film is set to star henry cavill sam rockwell bryce dallas howard brian cranston samuel l jackson john cena Catherine o'hara and Dua Lipa, which what a what a what a cast news. I mean, honestly, like this is just ridiculous casting uh, on both ends of the spectrum, good and bad. I'd say probably, but it's gonna be classic spy film, globe trotting adventure. I can only imagine that Henry Cavill plays the globe trotting spy. I mean, it's probably not gonna be Sam Rockwell. John Cena feels like Henry, uh, yeah. I mean, I so this know. is another franchise. Like Henry Cavill is in every I franchise. Mean, every I mean, single oh one. Like, He's got a Sherlock even, franchise now. He's he, got. The, I mean, Man from Uncle didn't turn into a franchise, but like it could yeah. have. Like, you know, sure. he's got he's got Mission Impossible. He's got yeah. you know DC. I mean, he's very dead in Mission Impossible, but yeah. yeah, but he was there for a minute. Yeah, maybe he's not dead. 
Is anyone really dead these days? I mean, I know again, like, again we we can't say. I know he got like sawed in half or whatever at, at Fallout or whatever happened on that cliff, and like a nuclear bomb went off and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But anything can happen. Um, uh, I guess a nuclear bomb did not go off at the end of Fallout. Sorry, sorry yeah, for the stopped it with one second left. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, because Tom Cruise knows how to fly a helicopter, a nuclear bomb did not go off. Um, and that's the complete causal relationship there. So yeah, it's supposed to be, I think it's supposed to be like a bond esque mission impossible esque type film. But Scott, when I see this kind of announcement, I want to be honest, I'm not excited about it. And cause this reminds me more of some, like, I don't know, like discount bin crap, like red, which I know is like coming out this year on Netflix or like red notice. You mean? Oh yeah, red red notice, and that, but also red. That but other also friend. red. Yeah, <laughs> I was other fully with guys. you when you said red. The ex- yeah. And the Expendables, just like this, gar- these like garbage like ensemble franchises. That granted, I haven't seen any of these movies, but can only assume they're terrible. And I just get a little. Yeah, Red Notice is probably the one for Netflix this year coming out that it reminds me the most of, or like Six Underground. I guess that wasn't like an ensemble cast, but that was like another Netflix dumpster fire. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Matthew Vaughn is interesting. I've never watched any of the Kingsman movies. Seems like he does have a taste or an ability to direct those because those are like at least moderately popular and seem to be well received, at least from fans. So, look, they're like quotes in this is that saying like this is going to reinvent the spy genre. Okay, Matt, chill, bro. Why don't you just go make a good movie and then we can talk about whether you're reinventing the spy genre. I mean, isn't that what he was trying to do with Kingsman, though? Like, I haven't seen these movies, but, like, from what I can tell, they're very much James Bond pastiches. I mean... Well, they're yeah, they're actually... I mean, the weird thing about that is that I feel like those movies... This is just all vibes. I haven't seen any of them. But they're, like, action comedies, right? Like, they're like they're trying to, like... I feel like they're trying to harken back to, like, the... The, the, the more era of James yeah, Bond. Yeah, yeah, like, the old yeah. days of James Bond rather than, like, being something new. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, I haven't seen them. They might be good. I don't know. I might like them. I'm not sure. But it doesn't feel like he's trying to reinvent the genre. He's just trying to, like, I don't know, like, revive a bygone era with that. And I don't know what he's going to do with this. I mean, like, at some point, these, like, huge casts like, don't pay off for you. And, I, I mean, know. Matthew Vaughn, like, again, he's got Kingsman. He made an X-Men movie. He made the kick-ass movie. Like, the guy just does franchises. Like, he's just, like, a cog of the machine almost but i mean i like i like the x-men movie that he did quite a bit um but yeah i don't know this just i i'm i'm, I'm wait, which did he did this a future past this one is he did no, he did first first class oh he did do first class oh that's right yeah i liked first class yeah it was fun yeah brian singer did uh days of future past but um god how dare you I, uh, his name canceled sorry he did direct the best x-men movies though um i uh i think that yeah i'm i'm 100 with your take on this like i this feels very like just going through the motions of like, oh, let's just start another franchise and it's going to be a yeah. spy movie because that's what everyone seems to be into nowadays. Um, you know what I say? In the- bringing up a conversation that we had, a, a, I don't know, maybe this wasn't even on air. I guess this wasn't even on air. Like if you want to start a new franchise, guys, go start an adventure franchise. We have so many spy movies. Half of them are terrible. Give me a good adventure movie. Hey, we had t- Tomb Raider. There's, isn't there going to be a sequel to that? Yeah, probably about as likely as Uncharted. Yeah, well, anyway. Um, yeah, nobody in this cast really gets me super excited um, other than Dua Lipa. I mean, all my favorite singers are now getting snatched up, right? Like True. Taylor Swift is going to be in a David O. Russell movie. Um, we have Rina Sawayama is going to be in the next John Wick. And now we have Dua Lipa is going to be in... Um, yeah, Arcade Fire is going to be in the next John Wick movie, probably. <laughs> yeah, R- Regine from Arcade Fire is going to be in, in that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, Dua Lipa, I could totally see her being like a Bond girl type. Like, she has that look, I feel like. She has the look of like a Bond girl. Yeah, but sure. We'll, we'll see. I, I, like you said, I'm, I'm not holding my breath about this one. We, we talk about projects every week that we're like super excited about. Um, and this is a change from that because... There, yeah. there's a lot to be there. There's a lot to be excited about. I guess is the point that I, I'm making. So I'm not going to worry too much about the fact that I just kind of meh on whatever this is. Look, maybe it'll end up being great, which is awesome. I'm just like, I know Henry Henry Cavill 
sell seats. Like I, I get it. Like he's he's absolutely a list. He's gonna put butts and seats at the box office. But he's just like not. I don't know. Just because he's in so much shit. Like I'm just. That's just not interesting. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Not gone are the days of like two or three years ago where I was like hype AF about his casting of Mission Impossible. He's just. I don't know. Also, the, the Witcher yeah. is just like God, man. Oh right, there's a, there's another thing he did that was like a. I watched three episodes of that thing and was so freaking lost. I had no idea what was going on. That's what I heard. It was so funny that I was so I was so disinterested. This is a total side side note. Now I was so disinterested after the first three episodes of which I stopped watching it, and then months later on my Twitter timeline, there there's like, or my Twitter my Twitter like feed or whatever, there is this like massive timeline of the events of the episodes and like branches and like how like the three timelines are together. I'm like, there were three timelines. I didn't even know these things were happening at different times. Like what? It's like three simultaneous timelines happening in every episode. And I'm like, which what was on e- earth? Which was easier to understand the Witcher or Tenet? Tenet a thousand percent. At least, wow. at least I knew what I didn't understand in Tenet. I had no idea. <laughs> that there were different timelines. It took me months. Wow. We, it took me months to realize. We really do timelines. live in a twilight world, Scott. And definitely no friends at dusk. That's for sure. Um, yeah, that 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 was honestly that was honestly one of the funniest moments pre-COVID in 2020 was me coming across this like timeline of Witcher events, and I'm like, what? These things aren't happening at the same time. There's like literally no signal whatsoever that that is the case in in the TV show. By the way, I went into like mm-hmm. I went onto like Reddit later to see if like I was just like completely stupid, and everyone's just like, no, like if you're a newcomer to this, like you watch the show with a timeline. I'm like, why the fuck would you create a show like that? <laughs> like why? No idea. Season two out in December. There you go. Henry Cavill's back, baby. It gets viewers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was like one of the most watched shows on, on Netflix that year. Whatever. Speaking of most watched shows, I'm two episodes deep in the Outer Banks. Season two. In Finally. a couple weeks. I told you what yeah. happened and you were skeptical. I mean, you're doing the right thing. You're gonna you're gonna come into season two fresher than certainly than I am. I'm yeah. gonna have to refresh myself before going in. Yeah, fresher than than John B getting fired from his uh his boat job. There you go. Episode two facts. All right, Scott. I think we've we've lingered long enough on this one. <laughs> You're so over it. Uh, where can people find you on the socials? Uh, I am at Scarvy Dent on uh, Twitter and Letterboxd. Yeah. And I can be found at Shelton2013 on Twitter and on Letterboxd as well. You can also find our podcast on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash mediaplugpods. A bunch of different reward tiers over there. Check them out. If you can support us, we'd really appreciate that. If not, you can still find us wherever you listen to your podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. If you could rate, review, subscribe, share, all that jazz, we'd really appreciate it. Just like we appreciate you for taking your time out of your day right now to listen to us chat about movies. We'll be back next week with a review of the horror sequel. Uh, no, not Space, not Space Jam, which I'm sure will be a horror sequel, but Escape Room Tournament of Champions. Until then, for Scott Harvey, I'm Scott Shelton. We'll see you next time. See you down the road.